20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Andrew Mertig, and normally Kyle would be kicking us off on Fridays, but he is off this week, so I am very fortunate to be joined by two members of our Packaday team, Gage Bridgeford and Mike Wentland. Guys, welcome to the Friday show. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, uh, when you said that there was another opportunity to podcast, I was all ready to go. Absolutely, but I do have to ask, because Gage and I usually record together on the weekends, are we sure we're not, we're not just replacing you for this one? If if you want to be the replacement, that's totally fine. Kyle is very replaceable, as I always like to remind him. So, uh, you know, maybe this could be an audition of sorts, but um, it is an exciting time of year. We are officially at football season. By the time people are listening to this episode, we will have one game of the NFL season already wrapped up and we will be looking forward to opening weekend of green bay packers football so we're going to get started today by talking about one storyline we think will dominate this game so i'm going to let gage start first what do you think will be a headline entering sunday uh my top one has got to be the right tackle versus uh minnesota's pass rush obviously with daniel hunter being out that makes things a lot that makes things a lot easier but we don't know if it's going to be Billy Turner or Rick Wagner or somebody else because of Matt LaFleur is keeping that really close to his chest. And uh, we've seen Rodgers, like he's able to move and make plays happen, but you don't want him to have to extend extend every single play. And Yannick Ngakwe is one of the best rushers in the league, and him against any backup will make life difficult for Aaron all night, all day. Absolutely. I, I, think, I think that's probably one thing that is – at the very top of our radar as Packers fans. Uh, Mike, what, what do you think will be a headline? Uh, to me, it's going to be how both teams handle the conditions and handle the empty stadium and the really bad piped-in crowd noise and everything like that because th- these are uncertain times. These are this is a very d- different era of the NFL in 2020. And and Matt LaFleur had talked about Wednesday about how both teams like to thrive off their fan base, and we saw that last year, especially with with the pass rush and the defense and the D train celebrations, how they thrived off the Lambeau faithful. So if you have no fans at all, you're it's empty. It's, and it's almost like when you're playing basketball and you're shooting into a, a basket that's got a very deep baseline. So it's all that empty space behind the basket throws off your depth perception. It could be something like that in football. You see all these empty bleachers. It kind of throws off your, your vision and how, and how you see things. So it's how that, how both teams handle that could go a long way in the mental side of the game. I think those are both really interesting points. And for me, it is the Packers rushing attack versus the Vikings run defense. So we know there's no Linville Joseph in Minnesota anymore. And Michael Pierce, their big free agent signing, has opted out for the season. So you have Shamar Stefan and Jaleel Johnson going to be tasked with stopping the interior running. Uh, you know, you have Yannick Ngakwe, and Gage mentioned that. And he's certainly an intriguing addition in the passing game, but he can absolutely be a liability in the run game. And the Vikings really don't have 
any stout defensive end. So there could be a whole lot of Packers offensive linemen, tight ends, fullbacks, get into the second level to get on that very good Vikings linebacking core. And that's going to make for some nice running lanes for Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and A.J. Dillon. And I think going back to Mike's point about crowd noise, if you can establish the running game, you, you put less pressure on your offensive tackles, specifically uh, the right tackle, like Gage mentioned, um, in in getting off uh, of the the snap really quickly to try to get on a Yannick Ngakwe uh, and his speed rush up the field. And I, I think really like establishing the run game is going to accomplish two things. First, if you can keep Yannick off the field, that's awesome. But it's also going to suck Harrison Smith further into the box and open up some shots down the field um, and also on crossing routes. But we, re- we really wanted to talk about players who are going to be X factors in Sunday's matchup. So I think we hit on that a little bit in, in the headlines we talked about. But, uh, Mike, why don't we, we let you get started this time? Who, who has a chance to make a major difference against the Vikings on Sunday? Well, you just talked about the Packers rushing attack on the Vikings defense. I think vice versa is going to be just as important. So I'm going with Christian Kirksey. Uh, the coaching staff and the writers have been raving about him all camp, and they've talked about his leadership and what he's brought, potentially being the biggest impact linebacker since Nick Barnett in his prime. And and, and plus, without Stephon Diggs, it's Adam Thielen and, and Jefferson and a bunch of spare pieces in Minnesota's passing game, so I trust the secondary to hold, hold them in check. But Delvin Cook had some big runs last year, and if Kirksey can help fill those lanes and make sure tackles go sideline to sideline, Delvin Cook can be limited enough, and that can really make things very difficult for Kirk Cousins. Absolutely, and and hopefully, uh, you know, if Christian Kirksey can be the impact player that Nick Barnett was, he'll also stay out of the clubs, just both literally and on his hand. Um, but anyways, uh, moving on to Gage, that that's a that's a joke that aged me a little bit. So. Um, I'll, I'll hide in my embarrassment of my own. So Gage, what, who do you think is your X factor? Well, first about your joke, it went over my head at first. And then I was like, wait, Nick Barnett had a club on his hand like every year. And it was, that was a really bad joke. You told it was, it was also, also the old one. he got in a lot of trouble in the nightclubs in green Bay. So that, the that's one. the inside part of the joke. He did own one club five, six. Um, but, but also he, he had some issues, uh, with, with some, uh, residents of Green Bay within the clubs. So we'll gotcha. leave it at that. All right. So my X factor for this game is Devonte Adams. This cornerback room for the Vikings got burnt to the ground this off season. Mackenzie Alexander, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, all gone. Mike Hughes is the only holdover from last year. Um, and I'm still not sold on him. He's uh, struggled a lot through his first couple of seasons, somewhat due to injury, just he's not quite picking up the NFL speed as quick as he needs to. Uh, but Devontae Adams is a true alpha receiver that can just – you're not going to be able to cover him. We saw last year against Rhodes closed, and he's had Xavier Rhodes' number for the past three years, and yet everyone praised him as a wide receiver, as a cornerback one. Uh Alan Lazard can be interesting, MBS, all those other guys can be important pieces, but Adams, his ability to get open is just special. Like, it doesn't matter if you jam him off the line, give him space, he's going to be open every on 90% of plays just because his footwork is so good. And if the right tackle is an issue, like we had mentioned before, having a guy like Adams who can get open in two, ste- in two steps because he, or just, like, he does one stutter step and then he's open on a quick slant route, that makes life easier on Rodgers. 
and it allows the offense to flow more smoothly all around. So Adams is my big one this week. I like the mention of Kirksey there, Mike. Um, like we've said many times throughout the offseason, the only issue he's ever had is health. As long as he's on the field, he makes plays. So if Devontae, like Devontae out there, I don't think there's a corner on this Minnesota team that can even hold, like even attempt to hold him. I have, I, I do fantasy stuff. I have Devontae Adams as my wide receiver two for the week, but if he finishes wide receiver one, I wouldn't be stunned in the slightest because he's going to see 15-plus targets this game, this week, and he's going to run up a lot of yards. Yeah, it'll be really intriguing to see how the Vikings handle Devontae, knowing that he is going to uh, be severe, or, you know, whoever is covering him, Mike Hughes, Holton Hill, is going to be severely outmatched. And so are they going to be rolling coverage to his side the entire time? And what is that going to open up for the rest of the Packers offense? Um, and I also really like Mike's pick of Christian Kirksey. In fact, he was the first player that I thought of when when we started talking X-Factors. Um, so I'm going to go with my second choice. And um, you heard in the background, somebody uh, is it has the D-train that like, would be me. near that would be their me. house. I, I have a train That's about great. 100 yards from my house. And, and we're going to stick with defense here. And uh, I'm going to go with Rashawn Gary. We, we saw the Smith brothers really frustrate Minnesota's offensive line last season. And really the only change to that group is that Garrett Bradbury might not be totally outmatched as an NFL player after a year of development, but he is still in line for a butt whooping from Kenny Clark. And, and I would think the Vikings are going to commit resources to stopping Preston and Zedarius, regardless of where they line up. So this is going to be a great chance for Rashawn Gary to show the world what people have been raving about at practice and making some impact plays in the passing game. I'm really excited to see how he can impact the game because if the Packers can add a third impact pass rusher to that emerging young secondary, watch out NFL. This could be a really, really fun year for the defense. Um, so we talked about our headlines. We talked about our X factors. A couple other things I want to touch on. Uh, the Packers did sign Dalen Mack, uh, making that official on Wednesday. And so uh, any any thoughts from either of you on the Dalen Mack signing? Uh, be- before we talk about Mack, uh, I'm glad you brought up Rashawn Gary because as we're recording this, it was just after the Smiths did their socially distant Zoom media availability together, and they talked a lot about Rashawn Gary. And they claimed that the trio could be deadly when on the field at the same time, so, that so much that they might have to change his last name to Rashawn Smith. So they're <laughs> they're really hyping up Rashawn Gary this weekend, so I think that's that's a really good uh, X-Factor as well. But with Dalen Mack, even if he comes in, he probably wouldn't be active this week anyway, but even if he comes in and can provide a better version of what Tyler Lancaster's brought as a run stopper in the early downs. That's a, that's a win. He's a true nose tackle. Him being in there could open things up for Kenny Smith, Kenny Clark to move around a little bit more instead of having to hold the points. Like it's, this is an ideal need and an ideal fit for the Packers. As long as Matt can be healthy because he played one game last year before going on injured reserve with a leg injury. He failed a physical in August. That so Detroit tried to claim him and didn't work. And he, he's, he has, so he hasn't played in a year in over a year. Because yeah, without preseason, he's been just having to go through practices and, and get himself healthy. So a guy that big, that strong, that explosive off the snap, if he can come in and do the grunt work in the middle of the line, that that's a huge, huge boost to this Packers defense. Absolutely. Any any thoughts on Dalen Mack, Gage? Uh, I agree a lot with what Mike said. Um, coming out of college, he like he was kind of a hyped up guy heading into the draft, and then he or 
heading into the 2019 or 2018 season, I should say. And then he just struggled throughout, struggled throughout the year and ended up being like a fifth round pick. And that like, I was kind of surprised to see Baltimore let him go just because they do have some older guys on their defensive line, like Calais Campbell. And then they have some, a lot of free agents coming up this off season, especially after they lost Michael Pierce uh, this off season. And then uh, after all the, just, they've had a lot of mass exodus on their defensive line, but I think the Green Bay, like adding him is a, it's a low cost, like high reward type thing. At best, Matt can solidify this defensive line and give them another big body to help slow down the run, which as we all know, has been their major bugaboo over the last couple of years under Mike Pettin. But, and worst case scenario, he doesn't work out. And it, there's, there's no downside to this move. This was a all upside move that you have to make because you have to try and address your biggest weakness and you're doing it with a guy who's got potential to be more than just a practice squad or low end guy. So I like the move. Yeah. And I, I remember Dalen Mack as the guy who was just wrecking things at, I believe it was the senior bowl um, during yes, that pre-draft process. And, and he got a lot of hype. Um, he ended up going in, I believe, the fifth round. Uh, the Ravens, to me, draft better than than any other team in the league. And I think they identified him as a potential fit to, uh, you know, they they churn out guys like they, they let guys walk in free agency and they seem to have the next guy prepped. And I thought Mac would really step into that Michael Pierce role, um, as you guys mentioned, and it just didn't work out. And I, I think a lot of that had to do with health. So if the Packers can get him right, get him healthy um, and, and stick him out there, even as a rotational piece, what a chance to make a big impact in an area that they absolutely sorely need it uh lining him up potentially next to kenny clark on some early early downs is really exciting to me um i i don't know that he's necessarily going to be a uh pocket presser in the in the passing game but i i love his ability to stop people in in you know early down situations and also in short yard situations and so gauge gauge said it all there's no risk to this right if if he doesn't work out, they put him on IR or they cut him and they're back to exactly where they were a day ago. Um, and that is having an extra spot available on the 53 and, and you, you know, you move the next guy in, but I, I think any chance you get to upgrade that defensive line, we know how big a problem that was last year. I, I think you have to take that. And, and this should be something that a lot of people are really excited about. The next topic that I wanted to touch on um, is something that, actually has been mentioned a couple times here, but the Vikings young secondary, um, you know, and the inexperience there, how big an impact do you think not being able to um, have preseason games is, is going to play in a, a really brand new secondary for the Minnesota Vikings? I think it could be huge, but I also realize Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris are two very, very good safeties especially with what Smith can do. He's been around. He's played the Packers a ton. He's he, he's going to communicate well with those guys. And and again, with that empty stadium, communication could be a little easier this year. Could be, it could be different, but it could help with these younger teams get more more in sync. And obviously, Mike Hughes has been around for a couple of years. Holton Hill has been around for a couple of years. So they're young, but they're not that inexperienced as we think. They just haven't gotten a lot of starters minutes compared to guys like Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander. But to, but to the point, I think as long as the Packers spread it out a little bit every now and then and, and really go after those corners one-on-one, 
let Devontae Adams take on each of them at different times. Maybe have MVS take a couple shots downfield and make them really try and follow him and draw safety away. The, then that's when that inexperience will start to take effect, whether or even that the trade-off zones that'll really make that inexperience uh, show even further. Yeah, I firmly agree. Like I said earlier, Devontae Adams is my X factor in this game, but I think that whole receiving core in general is my X factor. I think that they can, they have a big advantage here, and I think that they can use that and really press that in this game. Like Mike Hughes is Mike Hughes is not bad, but he's also only five eight, and Green Bay exclusively signed or has receivers that are like six three. So I like the size advantage that they have there. Anthony Harris and uh, who's the other one? Harrison Smith. Yeah. I was I was like I'm drawing a blank. Harrison's they're they're great safeties and they're one of the better duos in the NFL at their position. But on the they can only cover two guys. They can, they can't cover everybody. And Green Bay has multiple receivers that can be threats. And I think that on every play, you're going to see an advantage. Like the whole idea of the Matt LaFleur offense is to create mismatches and to create an advantage for somebody on the field. And I think that they have the weapons to take advantage of this Minnesota secondary. I have been very down on Minnesota this year. Not from like, obviously I'm biased because I'm a Packer fan, but at the same time, looking at it objectively, I think that Green Bay's got a clear advantage basically everywhere on this roster. I think Green Bay's got a better offensive line, clearly a better quarterback. I think that they have – I think wide receiver, you might be able to give that one to Minnesota depending on how Justin Jefferson does, but I think that Green Bay has more depth. Uh, safety, I'll give safety to Minnesota. I think Savage and Amos are really good players. Uh, I think Savage has a big year ahead of him, and Amos is one of the most fundamentally sound players. Linebacker, you'll give to Minnesota. But then – Pass rush, defensive line, I think that's Green Bay, especially with the opt-outs that uh, Minnesota's dealing with. The corners, you definitely have to give that to Green Bay. I don't think the Minnesota team is that good. I think I've seen a lot of places have Minnesota as actually favored in this game just because it's a home game. For those that can't see, I just did a uh, air quotes. It's it's a home game, but it's not really a home game. This is, a, this is basically a live scrimmage. Green Bay has a better team, and I think that they can come out and easily – beat Minnesota in this game because they have all of the pieces to take advantage of what Minnesota's bad at. The idea that Minnesota's pass rush is going to just harass Rodgers all day, even if right tackle is a question mark on Sunday, the other four pieces won't be a question mark. And Rodgers will just say, okay, well, you know what? We'll send protection to that side. We'll roll slightly left. And then Devontae Adams will be open on a a six-yard slant route, and he'll go and get seven yards after the catch, and we'll just move the ball down the field all day on you, and there's nothing you can do about it. So that's that's my opinions on the secondary. I don't think they're that good. Um, I think Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris will be able to make up a lot, but they're not going to make every single play. There's going to be shots available. Uh, MBS could have a big game, like if he just catches one or two deep balls. EQ, uh, with his athleticism, could make some plays. So this... This receiving core is going to have a good day on Sunday. Yeah, one of the things that I liked of taking out of the San Francisco game plan from last year is when you when you go uh, run, 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 run. Um, eventually, your corners are going to get sick of having to play the run game, and they're going to take a cheat step forward, and then your wide receiver is going to get behind them. Or your linebacker is going to get sucked up and you're going to hit Devoir on a wheel route. Or, um, you know, you're, you're eventually going to wear some of those players down. And so that, that young secondary, especially if you're able to move Harrison Smith up into the box and have one less helper back there for them, I, I think the Green Bay wide receivers are going to be able to take advantage of that because um, 
you you can you can question their talent all you want, but this is starting to become a more veteran group. They have experience, and I think they're going to be able to take advantage of the inexperience of the Minnesota secondary, or corners specifically, I should say. I think I cut you off, Mike. No, I think yeah, because Gage brought up the point of Minnesota being favored. I've seen a lot of like again power rankings in week one don't matter, but a lot of people are picking the Vikings to win the division. And they're putting a lot of stock in on in Yannick Ngakwe. And he's a good player, but is he the game changer like Zaria Smith was last year? And there's stuff like that. And the current betting line has Minnesota by two and a half. So if you factor in the home field, it's the Packers by one half. So it's basically a push as far as like how, how like the betting line would go. So this game is viewed as almost a toss-up. But I think both, both you guys are right. Like the Packers have the better roster. Like Minnesota's got the edge at safety and inside linebacker. But that's about it. Like I, the and running back could probably be a toss-up. But I think with with the way this game could go, I don't see really any edge, a significant edge to Minnesota in any way. I, I feel like the Packers should be able to control things pretty well with with this with the coaching staff. And plus, don't forget the Jerry Gray effect. Remember, he coached the Vikings last year, and and their secondary. He so he's gonna he knows a little bit about Zimmer as well. So he knows a little. About teach these young these young corners really how to get inside of Thielen and Jefferson and Rudolph and Irv Smith and stuff to the point where he like they can really lock down Kirk Cousins who had his worst two games of the season last year against Green Bay. Great points all around. Um, I usually don't like predictions, but I think we're going to go there this week. Um, at least for, for the first week of the season. So um, any thoughts on, on how this game is going to turn out? Uh, Mike, I'll let you go first here. Uh, I think Green Bay wins by two scores. Uh, I, I do. I think the pass rush for Minnesota is going to be almost non-existent. The offense will be able to do a lot of what they want to do. With Matt LaFleur is going to have an absolute Shanahan-like performance as a play caller. And I think the Packers win by 10 to 14. Uh, I was going to agree with that. Uh, I'm going to go with by 10. Uh, I don't know that they can quite get to 14, especially if Dalvin Cook has a good game. Um, If Green Bay gets up early, it might be a different story because Green Bay can then kind of tee off. And, man, there's nothing better than watching Z, Preston, uh, Rashawn Gary, if if he gets rolling, and Kenny Clark just tee off on Kirk Cousins all day long because I don't think that offensive line's that good. I think I know you said Garrett Bradbury might be improved. I think that Kenny Clark is going to bowl him over into Kirk Cousins' lap all afternoon, and I can't wait to watch it. I think the Green Bay wins by like ten, just because I think that Minnesota is able to like bleed some clock with Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, who is one of the best second running backs in the NFL. Um, he doesn't get as much hype as he probably should, but uh, Alexander Madison's a really talented guy. So I think the Green Bay wins, uh, I'm going to say like 28-17 maybe, something like that, 28-20, uh, to 20, somewhere in that range. Yeah, and and I, I agree with you. I think Green Bay should be favored in this game, and I, I believe that it, it might be a little bit more of a low-scoring affair than we're used to because I think Green Bay is really going to try to establish the run. I think their defense is going to wreak havoc on the Vikings because of that offensive line, and especially if the Packers are able to get any sort of lead and force the Vikings into obvious passing situations, I, I think that is going to be a really big problem for Kirk Cousins. So I know we're all really excited to kick off the season. 
That is all the time we have for today. Unfortunately, this has been the Packet Day Podcast. You can find Mike at Mike Wenlin on Twitter and Gage at G Bridgeford NFL. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Kyle and myself are going to be back next Friday with a preview of the Packers' Week 2 matchup against the Detroit Lions. Uh, please stay tuned to the Pack Day podcast tomorrow and Sunday to get you prepped for the Vikings game. And football is back. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Whoa!